Or the part with the fucking, uh, with the TV sensor where she's complaining, you can see the nipples of the solid gold dancer, and he's like, you can barely yeah. see him, it's Christmas. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. And this guy's really looking. Yeah, these guys are really looking. It's like, Jesus, dude. That's, you know, that was funny too. That that line too was ad-libbed as well. Was it really? Guys too. Yeah, it was just, you can barely see the nipples. Oh, he just came up with that? That's fucking yes. hilarious. It's great. It's like such a such a great line. So Bill was Bill Murray's response ad-libbed too, then I take it? Like almost everything in this film that he did was oh, ad-libbed. Dude, that's yeah, they like, say like 70, Who the fuck wrote the this lines. script then? Like what did they actually use from the script of, from the from the script of this movie? Well, I'm sure I'm sure every other actor like stuck to their lines. Oh right, yeah, just <laughs> or at least not most fucking, of them. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like I said, Donner and, and Murray did not get along because when, when the director's sitting there and expecting, you know, a line to be played like this, yeah. he's saying this is how you should do that, and then he comes along and says, I'm just going to do it my way. Right. <laughs> yeah, it kind of creates some conflict. This is Jesse Ventura. You're listening to Children of the Adams. Hello, everybody. We're back. Again. I mean... The world's on fire, so, you know, what better time to sit back and watch some TV? And uh, really, before we get to today's movie, that's kind of looking for uh, from you, uh, dear friends and listeners. Uh, since we've been talking so much about movies ad nauseum as of late, I, I'm kind of looking for, are there any certain TV shows that you all watch around this time of year that kind of get you in the Christmas spirit? Like certain, you know, seasons of, you know, episode, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I, I want to know. I want to know which ones you guys really love. Off the top of your head, Brian, are there any Christmas episodes of TV shows that kind of that kind of stick out in your head for this time of year that, that are special to you? Uh, I know there has to be. Like, I, being on the spot like that, it's kind of hard to come up with one. But I know there's, like, classic christmas films or christmas tv shows that i certainly watched as a kid you know so i, I certainly watched like a lot of the animated stuff like charlie brown yo um, classic you know, dude yeah yeah like the grinch how the girl grinch stole christmas the, a lot you know, of the old claymation stuff too like the rudolph the red nose reindeer rudolph ones and all that reindeer yeah frosty yeah. snowman so those are those are some classics that i i I have to admit, I would still probably watch if I saw them. Right. Um, shoot, you can probably find them on YouTube, but uh, I think yeah. uh, even by now, like they're all on like on one handy DVD. You can get at most gas stations around the country. I'm yeah, sure it makes sense. Yes, <laughs> two hour DVD. Like here you go. Yeah. yeah, all your childhood wrapped into one. For sure. Yeah. There's definitely some good Christmas episodes of TV shows too, and I just man, I wish I could like think of something that I just absolutely love every year I, I i do have one that uh i, I know you and i have both seen uh and it, it's very much related uh to this week's movie in several different ways that would be uh from tales from the crypt one of their premiere uh segments in the oh. in the debut episode and all through the house starring yes. uh mary ellen trainer and uh god what's the, what's the guy's name do you remember his name he played uh, dr giggles yeah the the oh geez oh, <laughs> i know man. right it's like oh shit what is his name Oh, because you can see his face, man. Yeah, clear as a day. Like I, I will. Like it's weird. Like as far as Santa Claus goes, like if I if I picture Santa Claus, his image is always like within the top three that fucking man, pops that's, up. That's frightening, man. I know, dude. But that it, it came out and I was like ten, and of course, you know, fucking Larry watch whatever Drake. you want. Yeah. <laughs> so Larry Drake, thank you Larry very Drake, much. Yes. Yeah. It Jeez. just yeah, you Google Larry Drake Santa Claus. For, it's a terrifying fucking image, but man, it's an amazing episode. Like it, just. For horror fans alone like uh it, it's just so well done <laughs> it, it's it, it's hard to find flaws in this especially because it's uh 
it's almost a directly taken from like you know it's inspired heavily from the old ec comics like the old you know uh vault of horror and just ah it, it it hit right on so many levels for me as a kid that even to this day like if christmas tv shows like you know if i start thinking about them that's one for me that just kind of pops up that's a good one. That's that's always one of, and I think we brought this up during our Silent Night, Deadly Night review. How it kind of fit in there, and yeah, or if we didn't, it should have been <laughs> definitely should have because that is a classic of Santa horror. I think we probably could have just watched that episode twice and skipped <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> yeah, I remember you didn't like that one as much as I did. <laughs> oh boy, I, yeah. T- for me personally, I'd much rather watch fucking Marilyn Trainer, Larry Drake, fucking you know, try to murder each other. Because man, it yeah. was like the, the. I think the biggest part of it, you know, it, it's uh, if you haven't seen the episode, like Marilyn Trainer probably delivers one of the most iconic horror movie screams oh you will ever see anywhere i mean just you truly buy pure terror from her in in this you know in like the, the penultimate i can't believe using that fucking word like in, in the scene <laughs> yeah. of the, in the scene of the episode because damn man such an amazing an amazing ending to what was an instant classic of an episode it was one that really introduced you to that whole series because it was a oh for when sure that, when that came out it was a three episode like special and yeah. that was one of them and you were just like if you were if if you're like, you know, around our age group and you grew up watching HBO like that, I can tell mm-hmm. you like this, that movie or that, that, uh, those episodes got you hooked on Tales yeah, from the Crypt. For man, sure. What a fantastic series. We'll have to talk about that on a future show, man. Cause there's so much to talk about there. Yeah. It, it, it was almost like, uh, like R rated, uh, Twilight Zone essentially, you know what I mean? Where like, oh, yeah. you had, you had like the celebrities of the time. You know, they were played different various characters, like supernatural Real events celebrities and things too. like that. Like, like yeah. A list actors would show up to that show for sure. Fantastic. I mean, but geez. oddly enough, too, uh, one of one of the better episodes of that show also featured, like in my opinion, someone uh, from today's movie. We're going to be talking about Scrooge here, nineteen eighty eight Scrooge, starring Bill Murray, uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, Marilyn Trainer. Uh, but speaking of Bobcat, he actually is the one I was thinking of. He starred in one of my one of my opinion, like one of the better uh, the better Tales from the Crypt episodes. It was he and Don Rickles. They were uh, <gasps> oh, he was an aspiring ventriloquist trying to learn from Don yes. Rickles. Whoa, man! Boy. What a twist to that one, too. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> it was so good. The old Bobcat, man, he was fucking terrific in that episode. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys, like, I honestly, I, well, it's probably for good reason. Like, he doesn't get a lot of credit because, I mean, he doesn't do, like, a ton of great movies, but he's right. always done stuff that I've watched and I was like, I will laugh at. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with the exception of that movie he did with uh, John Candy as a horse. I mean, that, that was pretty terrible, but. Oh, uh, oh my God. Hot to trot. Hot to trot. Yeah, give me, it's like, give me a second. It's going to come flying out of there. No. <laughs> if you haven't seen it out there, it, it's it's not a great movie. It's, uh, I think, it's, Ooh, I think Dabney Coleman is in that movie. It's just, it's not great. I think um, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, not great, but uh, yeah, it was a movie he did in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, that, oh boy. It wasn't uh, I, like I think the co-star, like, the other star of that movie was uh, the lady from the the very first um, Candyman film, Virginia Madsen. Yes, I think I want to say it was Virginia Madsen that movie with him. Yes, blonde wow. hair curls. Like I yes. was, I always yep. recognize her. Yep, that's exactly what I'm. The image that's popping up for me too. Uh, was Hot it that or was trot. it? Uh, yeah, that must be her. Like it's it's been so long since I've actually. I can't seen even find movie. this thing on his IMDb. Is it possible he had it removed? Oh, there we go. <laughs> That would be funny way if it was. Down. 
That would be absolutely hilarious. Oh, like, it, is, it is 1,000% Virginia Madsen in that movie with him. I'm sure she regrets that. Like, I, I think everybody in this film probably regrets, you know, actually participating in that thing. But Except for John Candy, because he didn't have to put his face. It was just his voice. He yeah, was probably just true. fine with it. Yeah, but everybody knows him, though. So. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like the, him, him voicing a horse, like, you know, it was, you know, eh, but I think given, given the right mood today, I'm not saying it would hold, but you might giggle a bit. Not a oh, lot, there's, there's but a bit. probably a, a tiny little tiny piece in that movie that I would probably laugh at again, but I. For sure. I, I, I mean, it, it's literally just Bobcat Goldthwait talking to a horse. I mean, there's. There's some there's some humor in that concept alone. In in Bobcat's like his classic '80s voice, you know. Oh, his, for sure. Yep. You know, high screeching. Mm-hmm. You know, long draws. Yeah, I mean that's it's it's picture. If you haven't seen it, it's it's something to behold. That's all I can say. What year, what year did that come out? Do you want to wager a uh, guess? Oh, I'm guessing '89. Oh, dude, you were so you. It's '88, but you get okay. You, your, your radar for pinpointing these terrible fucking coke fuel romps is eerily on. Yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not something I'm really proud of sometimes. <laughs> but, oh uh, man! Yeah, it came out all around the same time when a lot of other stuff that I really enjoyed watching did. So, right, yeah, you know, bad movies will always sneak their way in somehow. Just gets mixed in with the with the other quagmire horse shit and fucking you know, here you go. <laughs> Yes. No pun intended, right? Right, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, man, so speaking of, okay, so today's movie, Scrooge, uh, for those unaware, it, it's a, a modern retelling, uh, you know, of the, the classic Dickens tale, you know. Uh, Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol, thank you. Uh, you know, the, a, a rich guy who shits on everybody is shown the error of his ways by three ghosts, and at the end, you know, you, you hope he has the his big come-to-miracle moment and fucking... Sees the light day and maybe saves his soul. And this time, uh, it's uh, a bit of a... It, it, it does get dramatic at some times, but it's mainly just a comedy, like a, a Christmas comedy, you know, starring Bill Murray, who, you know, uh, given what we know about him today, is like, eh. <laughs> yeah, Not so great, but... Like, what, what is what you is know. your thoughts on Bill Murray? Like, where, where do you stand with him as an actor in the movies he's done? Like his, I think his catalog of movies alone, like you know his his behavior out, outside of all that. I mean, it, it's hard to argue against the guy being referred to as like a, a comedic icon of film. Just, like yeah. just given like the movie, like you know the the movie, like the, just even bit parts in like Little Shop of Horrors, like he's memorable in a movie full of memorable other roles, like Ghostbusters, fucking his time on SNL. I mean, uh, Stripes, like the list just goes on and on and on, even up until like you know What About Bob and the comedies he's still like you know not making like recently, but you know he's still churning out things like that, and like he was really at his height like during you know the late eighties, early nineties, and it's boy pound for pound, man is you know it'd be hard <laughs> to find someone else who'd be a bigger name in comedy at that time, which even by today's standards too, because, you know, these movies came out like, you know, 30, 40 years ago. They're just, they're part of the lexicon now. You know I mean, they're, they're pop culture. Like they're just not going anywhere. So even still, I think, you know, his career kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. See, for me, Bill Murray is like, he's, he's a mixed bag for me. Right. Like he can really like, 
star in something and make me f- like and really entertain me in whatever he's doing. Yeah. Or he can do the complete opposite and just turn me off and just like you're too much. Like, you know, you're at 11, I need you at about a 5. <laughs> he's <laughs> Like he's just an enigma to me sometimes. Like I just, I don't get like, I, I don't like what I don't understand is like, there are people who just like absolutely worship the guy. They just, anything he's in, they just love because they think he's funny. Like I'm, I've probably had that on that more unpopular belief of, uh, you know, yeah, I could take him or leave him. Like there is definitely movies that I absolutely love that, that just, I couldn't picture him anything else. Like, yeah, absolutely. Ghostbusters. It's just, it is a Bill Murray movie. It's made for him because he can sit there and just ad lib. Cause that's what he loves to do. It's just Caddyshack. Go off. Him and Chevy yeah. Chase just going Caddyshack. off each other. Yeah. Yes. Stripes. I mean, it's, it's all right. Like when he showed yeah. up in Tootsie, which is a fantastic movie. Like it's just little parts. Oh, like, that. Yeah. like That's where I like him is when he kind of shows up, but he's not, you know, overpowering like Ghostbusters is that one that I'll kind of give him and, and Groundhog Day. I'll give him because yes, he's Ooh, front and yeah. center. But Groundhog Day, I don't think that he's so in your face, right? He's not like he, he's definitely ad libs a lot in that thing, but he's right, not but he, like just at look like I say at that eleven mark, you know? Yeah, he's actually, I feel you. I feel like he was reined in by uh, you know the director of that film, Harold Ramis. So. But yeah, like like I could say though, like there's a lot of stuff out there that he's done that I just I really don't care about. Like, like most of his dramatic shit, like I think I don't, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Because I just I, it's like I don't really see him as a dramatic actor. But I will say in uh, in the Wes Anderson movie Rushmore, he was fucking ter- like you know th- there were some dramatic things in that, not really involving him so much. It was mainly Jason Schwartzman kind of doing like the heavy like dramatic lifting in that. But I mean, he was v- quite good in that. Like the and uh, the Life Aquatic man is still to this day. Like it, I absolutely adore that movie. It is fucking yeah, and, terrific. And there's, you know, he's, you know, Royal Tannenbaums and yeah, uh, but those are all ensemble, ca- like ensemble, yes. like and, 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 you know, they're not just like, oh hey, it's a few faces you'll recognize. Every person in there is a, a gigantic star, basically, or they go on to be one. So you know, it's he, he's part of a of a group, like in all those movies. So yes, you know. that and that's that's I think that was the, the point that I was trying to get to was you know when he, when he's thrown in there and he's like this, you know the the ice you can put into the drink, right? The mixed right, drink. Yeah. And you can just say, look, it's it's really necessary because it's not going to be the same drink without it. But it's Jim not Beam like, ice yeah. water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you go, nice call. Nice call. <laughs> That's him in a nutshell. Is he's there as as works as an ensemble, you know. Yeah. But this I will say, like going into this movie here, this is a movie that is very, very much Bill Murray's movie. It's it's Bill Murray all to himself. I mean, so much to a point that Bill Murray himself, when he talks about this movie, says, you know, this was a movie that I had to shoulder. That it was, you know, this this movie is nothing without me because it's all me in this movie. And and he's kind of right on that. His performance was pretty good. I'll give him that. And it's, it, it's like box office wise, too, for a comedy like in the fucking 80s, like on a $32 million budget, it made $100 million. Like they had to be feeling pretty good about that. Amazing for a movie made in that time, right? Yeah, <laughs> had to be. I mean, it's, it's fantastic too because, like, so this movie was directed by Richard Donner. If you're not familiar with Richard Donner, you know he did Superman, the original with with Christopher Reeve, Lethal um, Weapon, Lethal Weapon, which movie he was just coming off here, which which would explain the the studio. I think the studio probably looked at it and said, you know. This guy just directed one of the biggest box office action films of yep. last year. Let's mm-hmm. get him to come in here and do a Christmas movie, which is, 
it's odd, right? <laughs> it seems a bit strange <laughs> yeah, to bring in. Like, because I mean, if you look at Donner's list of movies, I mean, the guy doesn't have like a genre that he sticks to. Like he's all over the place. So like I said, he did superheroes. He did the Goonies, which is just mm-hmm. a Spielbergian child yeah, for sure. you know, adventure to lethal weapon, which is just action. Mm-hmm. It's it's just fascinating the film. The I omen mean, too, like a you know, a horror movie. I mean, and what one we, we attempted to kind of review Assassins, so I mean it's like Boy. it's just the guy is all over the place, but yeah, please, like listeners, do not take that as me saying I don't like it because I really do like his movies. I think he's a fantastic director. Um, you know, if I I could go through most of his oeuvre and nearly everything on there, I would say yes, I would watch. Um, or you've already seen exactly. <laughs> the looks of it because I'm going through this list like shit. I've seen all this dude's movies. Yeah, like the toy. Like I did. I forgot that he even directed the toy. You know, it's a oh, Richard Pryor film. Yes, I mean, just yeah. absolutely. That's a child, a movie from my childhood. Just, but there's so many films in there. And as we were talking about, like he directed those first three episodes, that Tales from the Crypt series. So, just, just fantastic. But it just, it seemed like an odd choice to go from Lethal Weapon to this film, a retelling of a Christmas Carol. You know. Maybe the studio was just keeping him on contract because the the very next movie after this was the second Lethal Weapon. (laughs) So maybe they were trying to keep him on the line for a while or something. I don't know. I guess. But I mean, usually I think a director would get to choose their their projects. Right. You know, especially after Lethal Weapon. So it's like, yeah, you just had this box office smash. But I get it. Yeah, how did he end up directing this movie? That's a hell of a good question. He probably already had the script in hand by the time he was working on Lethal Weapon and by the time that came out. I can't imagine it was like after Lethal Weapon came out and then, yeah, he got the script and then this thing all came together in six months because no way it did. So I'm right. sure he was probably already involved in this project beforehand. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess it just goes to his character. I guess the guy just likes to say like, oh, yeah, let me take this challenge and try it and just and go for it. So yeah, more power to him because like, yeah, a lot of people, you know, in this type of field are, are really afraid to kind of stretch out sometimes like. You know, sometimes if you're real successful at something, you know, the studios are going to want to keep you there. You might feel comfortable doing something. So, you know, the the, the big time artists, you know, they, they are the ones who want to say, nope, let me do yep. something else. Let me do some serious work. Let me do some horror. Let me do some comedy. Do something else. So, right. You know, good for Richard Donner <laughs> on that one. Yeah. Oh, man. <clears throat> and this one, too, like it, you, you think it. For a, a bit of a of a dramatic comedy, like you know, it would have been like a slog of a movie, but it's pretty tight. Like it's only a hundred minutes. <laughs> like I forgot how short this movie was. Yeah, man. That until surprised I popped me. it up, and I was like, yeah. oh, because I was I was expecting. It felt like a two hour movie when I first saw this movie. <laughs> yep. Like, so do you do you remember when you first saw it? Did oh you yeah, see it in yeah. Theaters or did you? No, did you not just, in like, theaters, but I I definitely saw it like within like you know the, the, its first round VHS like as soon as it hit. You know what I mean? What was your impression back then? Of, of what you thought of this movie. Oh, I mean, I was a kid, so I'd, I'd really liked it. You know what I mean? Absolutely Especially like, it. you know, it, it, all Christmas movies, like they kind of, you know, they, they all just hit like special, like, you know, at that age, I mean, when you still believe in, in magic and all that shit. So yeah, you know, <laughs> you, you see, you, know, you see a Ghostbuster fucking, you know, in a movie about Christmas, like, yeah, I would have watched that. And, you know, not, not to mention too, like the makeup effects of the movie, like they're, they're really fucking solid. I mean, there's, there's a lot about yeah. this movie, like just even going back and revisiting today, like that's still, 
that still holds. I mean, it's it, it, for being a story we all know, because like, we've all seen a Christmas Carol, like in one from Muppets to different fucking animated, Mouse, you know, whatever the shit, I Mickey mean, Mouse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen it ad nauseum. Like everyone has, if you're a person on this planet, you know what I mean? And you've been alive for a while, you're definitely familiar with the story, but it's, you know, it's a a rare one that can make it you know kind of compelling and you know a lot of that had to do with like the cast in this and i gotta say i had really forgotten like like who did the music for it until like the it started coming up and i, I heard danny up right away because the dude he only has like the one fucking jingle man like is that is the really the dude has like six notes he plays and that's he's written that for fucking like 40 years man like it's ridiculous the man's made a career holy shit right and i mean and he's still dude. Working. i mean he's still oh, doing yeah. shit i mean but it's still the same fucking note it's like you know what I mean. Like I was like, okay, I heard Scrooge, I heard Batman, I heard Night Batman. Before Christmas, I heard yeah, fucking remember, like, Beetlejuice, all those movies like pop, 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 yeah. around the same time. So yeah, yeah. and I, he's it, the Michael know, Bay of fucking musical soundtracks, man. He's just using shit fucking left and right. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't give I, a damn. I, I think most of these these composers they do that. They'll always borrow from themselves. <laughs> um, you know, so I don't blame them. Because, yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, you go back and listen to John Williams. I mean, yeah, okay. you, you hear Star Wars and Indiana Jones and all that yeah, stuff. I mean, no matter what true. it is, you know, it's just what type of instruments they use, right? I mean, Danny <laughs> right, Elfman yeah, okay. is like, you know, he's all synth and electronic. You know, John Williams has, you know, every damn horn and woodwind instrument. For sure, have. yeah, so okay. So it's, it's just pick their poison, but... yeah. You know, I give it to, you, but I, I'm with it because yeah, this, the moment you hear that 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 sound, like yeah, you you go back to all those other movies, you're just like, yep, holy shit. But it's that's that's the fun thing about like getting into these movies and studying films and stuff like that because you you begin to see the patterns, whether it's the composers or what a director does. Because there's some things in this movie that we'll, we'll I'll, I'll point out that that is known in Richard Donner films, you know, and it, it's just fun to see those types of things. You know, when you're going back and watching them, especially if you haven't seen them in a while, because yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, like I have kind of an, uh, an unpopular opinion about this film, too, is when I first saw this, I remember not liking it. Oh, yeah. I re- yeah, I remember just like like I was I was kind of bored with it because what I was right at that age when this thing was coming out where I was completely getting into horror films and stuff like that. Like I was oh, still like yeah. or I'm not completely getting into it, but I was like I was still on that horror kick, you know, through the mid 80s. Right. You know, because we talked about like Tales from the Crypt is coming out. Like, so I absolutely loved horror. And this movie, like I remember seeing the previews for it and seeing, like you said, the makeup effects on some of the stuff and the scary stuff that was in this. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be so great. A Christmas movie with with horror tinges to it. Oh, it's going to be so good. And I remember seeing it for the first time and thinking, yeah. <laughs> this is just kind of boring, and it's like I didn't like it, right? You know, because I think I was expecting a little more from Bill Murray too, but I don't know what it was, and I remember hating it. But you know, not to not to show my hand early enough, but this is a movie that I've I've definitely changed my opinion on over the years as I've I've watched this a new a number of times. And now, did you first see this in theaters the first time you saw it? No, no. So no. I'm like you, I definitely <laughs> okay. probably saw this on on VHS. Um, or when it was dropped on television, something along those lines. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so, so those don't know, let's get into the plot like a, a little bit more. Uh, we first meet Frank Cross, played by Bill Murray. He's a he's a very dominating, overbearing uh, TV executive, and they're going through their their Christmas kind of uh, like lineup and all that, and it's really a bunch of uh, 
Like there's some interesting uh, <laughs> holiday themed programs. Uh, there's I mean, one that's kind of like a movie we'll be watching soon. It, you know, <laughs> go ahead. Well, I mean, do you, like I don't even remember how this movie starts off, but it doesn't start off with with Bill Murray and them and there. Oh, like, that's there, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, get, you get it back up. It's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, that like it's so weird because it's like I was like, okay, is this like a preview for another Christmas film? And and it actually is. It's just a it's just a you know self parody of what they're doing in the movie. You know, it's it's you know the, yeah. the six million dollar man you know coming to save <laughs> Lee Santa Majors. Claus with yeah. a, <laughs> with a machine gun. Yeah, but, and did um, you notice how the all, like a lot of the elves too? Like in that scene, they all kind of look like celebrities from the time a bit. Yes. Yeah. And and you know the 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 gun that Lee Majors has is actually mm-hmm. the prop used for Predator. Did you know that? Get the fuck out of here! That oh my Jesse, god, that's Jesse right. Ventura's prop gun. Old painless. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so hilarious! Like when I saw that, I was like, wow, because I I completely forgot about that scene. I was like, I always thought that the movie started right in Frank Cross's office yeah. where they're going through the movie. The night the reindeer died. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's just so so off the wall ridiculous. Yeah, and they also had like a like a crooner actor at the time. He was doing like a concert in a swamp, like on a, a, on a, oh, like, on yeah, a boat. A, Bob uh, Goulet. Yeah, Bob Goulet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like just this. It's it's so sell. It's just it's just parody of what you would have seen during that time of this. Oh, of those dude, for sure, right? Christmas specials, like you said, the Muppets oh. Christmas special, that kind of stuff. Like it was that kind of stuff that you would see. Or the Star, Star Wars, Wars holiday, holiday special. special. Oh, yes, yeah. there we that. go. Fucking a man. Jeez. Oh boy, <laughs> so, dude. To this day, I still can't watch it. It's just it's way too weird. Oh, it's, it's way it's, too it's weird. weird. Yeah, like one day we we'll have to talk about that. Just to just to go. I, maybe we have to. I don't even remember if we, if we reviewed that or not. I don't know. I don't ever want to watch that Grandpa Wookie scene again, man. Oh, that's disturbing. <laughs> that was way too weird. <laughs> Chewbacca's granddad might be pounding off. It's like, what are we fucking watching here? <laughs> yeah. Oh Definitely man. a lot of coke on that set, dude. That was so weird. Woo. Was that the same one where they did like the? Uh, where they had Han and Luke and Leia doing like dance numbers and shit, or was that a different thing? They didn't do dance number, but there was a singing. Uh, that part was it. Where okay. Leia, Leia uh, Carrie Fisher was singing in that thing. She sang. She sang the Life Day song. Oh my God! How dare they? <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. Jesus. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. But you, but you get the idea. Like you don't really see specials like that anymore. Which you know, thankfully, we've all moved on from that as a society. But man, you get the idea. Like it's a lot of bad TV shows are being pitched, and uh, but it doesn't really matter because the one who really likes it is the boss, and no one is really going to say shit to this guy. As we learn here uh, to start off the movie, is that they get a promo for uh, their retelling of Charles Dickens Scrooge, and it's it's way too hyper violent. Like uh, Frank says, he had this one cooked up because he hated the one they made, and he told him how much it sucked, so he had one done on his own, and it's just. It's just. Uh, do you remember? The, do you remember the Street Fighter movie when Raul Julia as M Bison yes. when they, yes. they captured uh, Charlie Blanca and they're showing him all those horrible movies to to make him into the Rage Beast monster as they're pumping full of the Venom shit. Uh. He's like, oh, <laughs> educational programming. Like that's yes. the kind of shit. Like that is this promo from Scrooge? Just not, nothing but like explosions and just you know a lot of horrible acts. And it, uh, there's a really ominous voiceover. Be like, you can't. You know, you're gonna die if you miss this kind of thing. It has yeah. nothing to do with Chris whatsoever. <laughs> but like the last part of the promo is just giant letters: Charles Dickens Scrooge on. ID. ABC yes. or something. He's like, your life just might depend on it. And then it just goes up in like a mushroom cloud. It, 
everybody looks horrified. Like the entire, like the, the, this whole fucking table full of, full of uh, suits and executives. No one wants to say a word. And, uh, Meanwhile, you know, Alfred Woodard uh, is Grace. She's uh, Frank's personal assistant. She's kind of flying around the room, like, you know, trying to usher people out and things like that. And Bobcat Goldthwaite's character, he's a, a, a middling executive, if I had to wager a guess. Uh, Elliot Loudermilk. Good, good, yeah, he's a good hearted uh, Good hearted guy, yeah. Yes. But he, he's the only one who really has any nerve to say anything to Frank. He's like, you know, you're going to terrify people with that, sir. And Frank's like, well, if I can change it, I'll let you know in five minutes. So he's, he's, he's is... super dismissive about him, like, right away. Like, oh, he doesn't man. give two shits about what anybody has to say, right? This, I mean, I absolutely love Bill Murray in this one. Nick. Like I said, like this is the movie where I just say, Bill Murray, you work here. Because yeah. from the get-go, he starts off as such a dick, such an asshole to everybody. Like, like you said, like where, where he's watching that promo, you know, and like, he's, he's like mouthing along with it. Like (laughs) like, you just show like, (laughs) it's just that little stuff like that. Like you feel like that amongst many other things in this film, like that's, he's ad living that he's just adding that personal touch to it. That's, that makes me laugh. And you're just like, Oh my God, this guy is so trapped in his own world. And, you know, he believes like, I know how to do this. I'm the one who's right. I don't give a shit about the world because like this guy is putting together a retelling, a live retelling of the live Scrooge on Christmas Eve. So he's making all his employees work Christmas Eve. Like, like it's just, they'll call it out at the end of the movie and stuff like that. But I mean, that's just the kind of boss he is. Like he has, like so, so Elliot Latimer brings it up. He brings up this, uh, you know, problem with his promo. Yeah. And as soon as he's like out the door, he runs to the phone and says, "Elliot Latimer, you know, have him fired." You know, like, no, he has Grace do it. He has Grace do it. Like and that's she calls like, him the code. She's yeah, like, code she calls a special <laughs> code. Yeah, she's the Elliot Latimer code nine. Is what she says. Oh, geez. And like, and like he's reveling in the fact of like, or like, you know, measuring how long it takes the security to get him out the building. Like, like yep. he, he times, he's like, it's gotta be under five minutes or something. Like but even, but even like during that part, there's another layer of like, of disgustingness is like, as he's watching through a telescope, mind you, pointed at his own front door of, the, of his own building, waiting yes. for the guy to be thrown, <laughs> to be fired on Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve, is that uh, his assistant is rattling off uh, different people on a shopping list and you know oh, geez, uh, yes. like the different big wigs and like the big wigs are getting like a, a full vhs yeah you like know, he's basing like that. that gift like he's asking like what was the ratings on you know right. such and such show what, it, what have they like, done for me basically kind of yes thing. Yeah. yeah he's giving him like a like this, and this shows you how 80s this is like he's right. giving him a top of the line forehead <laughs> vcr <laughs> oh man right Compared to all Jesus. the other people, they get, you know, a, a hand towel IBC or a, a bath towel, towel set or yes. something. Yeah. Not even a set. It's just a towel. Yeah, a towel. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was giving too much credit there. It's one bath towel. And he does. So he's going through this whole that. list and he's like, yes. bath towel set, bath towel set. And like the whole time, like you get, you know, you've seen movies, you know how, you know, administrative assistants are like, you know, especially by someone like him. Like it, Grace really takes a lot of shit. And, uh, and he tells her, he's like, Grace, put yourself down for a hand towel. And she's like, what about my bonus? He's like, towel and a face cloth. And like, that's her bonus. He's like, she he's, gets a washcloth oh, to go with the man. fucking bath towel. 
And, this and dude has got to that, be making, like, I'm assuming he's making millions because he's, he's at the top floor office in like a high rise in New York. Like, you know what I mean? He's making some bank. Yeah, he's a president of a major network. So, yeah. yes, because yeah, he, he does complain about that because all the VCRs he's buying, it's 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 his money he's spending, <laughs> you know, for that. But right. yeah, it's just so goddamn like, yeah, he's so like the real Scrooge. He's just so miserly and cheap. And, and even to his brother, too. He's like, towel. Yes. Like, because she's even asking him, he's like, and your brother? And then right. he like happens to show up later on. She's like, oh, yeah, I didn't tell him about his fantastic gift you got him. Right. You know, it's just, you you just, you can't believe that one guy. And, and it'll go on as we get through this movie. Like, you will see this until you get to the last, like, 20 minutes of this film how terrible Frank Cross is man He's unrelenting so he is such an unrelenting mean. dickhead yeah <laughs> uh, so it, it's after like it, it's after this part that Elliot is fired and like we go through uh like you know that whole thing with Grace and the gift exchange and all that. Uh, Frank Frank goes to a humanitarian event where he's given an award and uh, oh, he's man. he's going back to his office in the cab. He gets out of the cab. They make a point to show in the back seat. He leaves the humanitarian award in the cab. It goes back to his television office. At which point he is then, as the Dickens you know tale would progress, he is uh, confronted by his uh, his former mentor. Uh, in the television business, Lou Hayward, played by uh, John Forsyth, who you know, television actor. Like a, you know, if you watch TV in the eighties, like you couldn't look anywhere without seeing this dude. He was yeah, one of the early eighties, like he was on there. Charlie Dynasty Angels, was Dynasty. basically, uh, you know, yes. it was it was Mad Men, The Sopranos of the time, like on on network TV. Like the dude was a gigantic star. Yes, yeah, big so time. So him in this part was kind of a get. Yeah, yeah, to a point, yeah, because, I mean, yeah. he was probably winding down in his career by this time, but he was still a recognizable face. Like, For somebody sure. who could play that role as a miserly boss. Yeah. But even, even him, as we'll learn, like, I don't think he was even as miserly as uh, <laughs> as Frank Cross is in this film. No, I don't think so. At he least seems he's still a little Christmas nicer. parties yeah. to talk about. But this Jesus. is this is this is probably one of my favorite parts of this movie though is is this Lou first Hayes, interaction with the yeah, first he ghost shows up because it's it's probably the scariest moment of this film. It's up there. Because yeah, he's he come, Lou comes in there as a zombie, Rotting corpse, you know, basically. Yeah. yeah, he's there you know, Carrie, I love, I love the fact that he's like still pulling a, a, a golf bag and everything too. Cause yeah. he died of, on a <laughs> he heart attack on a golf course. In a very Beetlejuice kind of callback a bit. You know what I mean? Like he, he's yes. dressed how he was when he died, how everyone else was like in the afterlife in that movie, you know? Yeah. It's still just you know, wearing his sunglasses, wearing the cat. I mean, just, yeah. I mean, he looks like he came off the set of Caddyshack or something. Yeah. And, and there's some excellent makeup effects like in this part too. Like the, it, it's all practical. So he's, you know, he's wearing full makeup effects. And at one point you see, uh, the, the back flap of his head pops up for some reason and a mouse oh, pushes a golf ooh, ball out of his skull. That's a little, ooh. Yeah. And then there was like, there were so many good parts. Like, it, 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 it looked fucking like he, today, you know, you couldn't see a lot of makeup effects artists do what they were doing back then. Like that's how good the makeup still holds like, today. It looked yeah, fucking terrific. Still. A great example of it is when Lou picks uh, Frank up, puts him through the mirror or the, yeah, the oh, window. Yeah. And uh-huh. when he's tearing away his arm, you're just like, like, Oh, you can see the bone. You can see the muscles kind of being yeah. torn away. It's just like the, the level of detail they put into the makeup was just fantastic. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's just top notch makeup effects. Yeah. It's amazing. Absolutely. Terrific. I wish I knew who did it off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's probably somebody who's well known actually. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I want to say, uh, 
damn it, I think I looked it up not too long ago. And like the they had done like a, a like basically everything at the time. I'll uh I'll find it at some point. Well, it's either Stan Winston or, or uh oh God, who else would have would have done it? Oh, Tom Berman. Tom Berman, okay. Tom and Sandy Berman. Uh and you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, fucking Yes. Howard the Duck, like fucking Jesus. Uh God, they're still the fucking work away. X Files, fucking uh Jesus. The Godfather, Tales from the Crypt, Tracy Ullman, Die Hard, Die Hard 2, The Goonies. So basically anything Richard Donner or Robert Zemeckis touched, these these two did. Yeah, like I was saying, like when Damn. it's fun to go back and watch these types of movies and look into them, it's yeah. kind of funny how you see like the groups that help each other out, right? Right, it's, yeah, 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 for sure. You know, you get a lot of the same people. Like we said, Marianne Trainer, she, she's one of those executives who is in this film, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, she absolutely just got this because she's probably just like, hey, Richard, do you have any work for me? Yeah, I'm doing this movie Scrooge. Would you right. want to be in it? Just a bit part? Sure. Okay. You know, Being married to Robert Zemeckis, you know, probably didn't hurt either. Yeah, yeah. You got connections. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's never done Richard or Richard Donner wrong, you know. No, so. no. And fucking absolutely terrific. And in and, and, and all through the house, man, I'm going to watch this. We've been talking about it right now. I can tell oh, you, man, I'm, I'm firing I'm that right to up. To that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. Um, but anyway, so that, that's Frank's first, you know, uh, ominous spirit. And it, it sets a fairly high bar for what to come because it was uh, like, like Brian said, like in the in the advertisements for it, like in the movie kind of ended, like it hinted like it was kind of horror. But this was the first real horror touch we got. And it was it was done pretty well. You know, and it's at this point too where Frank kind of becomes manic. Like he's starting to, he's starting to get really nervous about what's coming to him, right? Yeah, like he can't determine if like, did I just hallucinate this? Am I really working too hard? Right. Um, or you know, is this real? I mean, am, am I really seeing this stuff? And that's right. I, I, I like that. It's it's it it makes for a good character development portion here to yeah to try to figure out what's happening because yeah because. Bill Murray, I, I I have a hard time trying to see somebody else try to pull this off, you know, and 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 go down this road of getting more and more crazy with every act of this film. Right. Like he just starts off there. Yeah. He because the, the ghost calls like our, our other star of this film, Karen Allen, who is, is Frank Cross's former lover. Yeah. X. Yep. And, you know, he wants to get the ghost obviously wants him to get back in touch with him. And this is where Frank Frank uh, Cross is like, you know, hey, I, you know, I just went through something and I don't know if I actually did. You know, he, he plays it right. off like normally and then tries to go back to his life as normal. Goes, has dinner with uh, uh, Robert Mitchum, who is the uh, current, uh, I guess he's probably what, the CEO of the network or something. He's above the president. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> He played another great role here. I just absolutely love this. Uh, I love this idea that this guy has. Like he comes to Frank and he's like, hey, I got some ideas for some filming here. We uh, Did you know that dogs and cats are becoming to, are starting to watch TV? We need to start putting pets in there, which it's, it's, it's so funny now because like if you watched it back then, you're like, God, this is the most ridiculous shit I've ever heard. But now there's actual programming for dogs and cats, like exclusive things you can find on yeah. Netflix and stuff. Way like ahead that. of the game. It's kind of for hilarious. For sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where we meet too, kind of like a, uh, a character who's supposed to induce a little more, uh, put a little more fear into Frank is uh, John, John Glover. Glover. 
He plays uh, Bryce Cummings. Bryce Cummings is like a young upstart kind of producer who just kind of shows up out of nowhere and says that Frank's boss wanted him to come in because, you know, he and his dad are old friends and he's just kind of stepping in to, to help Frank out on this produ- on this live production. So automatically, like, Frank is, is you know, kind of put on edge at, uh, you know, by this guy kind of being here. And at this point, too, like, Frank kind of starts... Uh, he starts seeing things like at this lunch, like he sees like an eyeball in his drink and he's starting to freak out and he sees a waiter like he thinks, you know, gets caught on fire at some point. So like, you know, the, he's starting to really freak out about like uh, everything, yeah. I guess. It's in like, his life. It becomes almost self-fulfilling prophecy for him. Like everything he, he as, yeah. as the, you know, the, the CEO of the network, you know, as I was saying like, hey, I brought this guy in to help relieve some of the stress because I don't want you to freak out. You know, he's right. like he starts freaking out like that. But yeah. Like right, yeah, he starts doing like John Glover. I forgot that he was in this movie because it, it like the movie I know him from is he plays Daniel Clamp in the Goonies uh, or not the Goonies, but uh, Gremlins Two, the new batch. He just That's plays right. such a great character there, like a a total yeah. parody of like Ted Turner and Donald Trump all wrapped into one. It's hilarious. Yeah, I absolutely right. love the guy, but yeah, he he plays this completely smug, arrogant, you know, guy from California. He's like, Hey, give me the California health plate, you know, no dairy, no, like he just, no yeah, dairy. He's just in like that, totally yeah. like the, the, the envision of envisionment of like everybody from California during the eighties, right. The, or Hollywood, I should say. Basically. Yeah. You know? If you had to picture like sleazeball businessman, it'd be uh, this character from this movie and like maybe that dude from fucking the first Die Hard movie. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the guy who's doing all the coke yes. in the office. Ellis. You picture those yes. two dudes. Ellis, thank you. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but yeah, I love that. And I do love the joke at the end of this when he sees the waiter on fire. He goes and throws water on the guy. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you know you reminded me of Richard Pryor, which I think a sophisticated audience will get that joke. Um but now that Richard Pryor's dead, he hasn't been relevant for a long time. Maybe people don't even know what the hell that joke is about. But it's a reference. They're going to do some yeah, It's a reference back yeah. to like in 1980, I think around that time, uh, when Richard Pryor was really heavily into coke. He was freebasing cocaine and set himself on fire and ran down the street and was was very yep. severely burned. It was really – it's not something to be laughed at, but, you know. No. Thankfully, he later on in one of his shows, but, Richard Pryor did. He totally made fun of it. It was, it was great, but <laughs> – if you haven't seen that, Richard Pryor on the Sunset Strip, it's a, it's a great, great comedy. Yeah, it um, is. And even like in, in that scene too, there's a little bit of improv. Like you talk about Bill Murray improv and shit on there. Is that uh, as he's walking out, uh, as he's leaving oh, the restaurant, yes. he slips yes. and falls. Yeah, like that's that, that was not in the story. Like he actually busted his ass, but like he stayed in the scene, just kind of he got up and kind of shook off and kept walking. But you know, he was not supposed to fall at that moment. He actually slipped on the water. He threw on the way. And we and we did not really talk about this when we were starting to, uh, talking about Richard Donner and him. Like this movie, like Richard Donner and and Bill Murray did not get along in this on this production. Like like oh, oh these really? Two they couldn't. Donner was like, I'm director. You do what I want to do. He's trying to direct a person who doesn't want to be directed. Like. It's like most of this movie, if you read the, all, the, all the background stuff on this, like most of this stuff, is like the lines that Bill Murray does are ad-libbed. Like he just goes off script and just goes. And sometimes it works. A lot of times it works. But for, for a guy, a director, it's it's got to be frustrating as hell when you're trying to do a movie. Yeah, for so, sure. So yeah, like, yeah, they they talk about it. They, they both talked about the movie and just said like, yeah, 
I, I think Bill Murray is pretty harsh on what he says about Donner, like how he thinks it would have been a much better movie if it wasn't for Donner. Like yeah. he has this line that he says, like, yeah, Donner, all Donner told me to do was just do it louder, louder, louder. So he's like, he must have been deaf or something. <laughs> Where Donner's a little nicer. He's just like, yeah, it's trying to, I think the quote was, um, it was trying to film a live movie, basically. You know, he was just like, point the camera and just kind of let him go and then try to rein him in as best he could. But, mm-hmm. you know, so neither of them really got along on set, but right. you know, they, it was, it was amicable enough on set, I guess, to, to get through the shoot. Wow. But yeah. So that, Jesus. but yeah, just when you brought up like that, that's kind of stuff, you know, I could see how that would be very frustrating, but like in that case, it works when he just does a fall and you're just like, Oh Jesus. Like you, you feel like that hurt, but he keeps going just to get the hell out oh, of there. Oh, it definitely looked like it hurt. <laughs> Like, for sure. He's got got another injury, too, we'll talk about when we get to it here. Because he was, like, he had to be, like, in his 40s at this age. And I know from experience, falling at that age fucking sucks. You know what I mean? And you're falling on a hard linoleum floor. Yeah, dude. He absolutely (laughs) busted his ass, dude. Fucking A, he did. For sure. This takes us us to the point, though, where he's going to meet the first ghost, the ghost of Christmas past. Right. You know, played by Buster Poindexter. (laughs) Who, in his right, like, was... He is like kind of like in this weird niche of like pop culture icon because of because of that song, right? Hot, hot, hot. Like yes. it, you still hear that song. Like it still pops up like to this day some places. Like you know, it wouldn't be out of place to hear it somewhere in like a salsa commercial or some dumb shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, you have '80s on eight uh, with uh, Sirius XM or something. You've heard that song <laughs> on '80s on eight. I mean, it just it comes up. It's a, it's pretty what's iconic his, for an '80s film. What's his uh, actual name? What was it? Oh, David. Yeah, that's uh, the hard one. Like, I I know him as Buster Poindexter, but David Johansson. David Johansson. Yeah. Yeah. So stage name Buster Poindexter. Right. But yeah, he plays. He 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 really plays like kind of what you would envision a New York cabbie to be like. <laughs> Yeah, because he he picks Bill Murray up, but in one a who cab, died in like the fifties, maybe. Yes, because he's driving that old cab, yeah. the old yellow cabs, uh-huh. and he just gets in there, and he's got like this completely decked out Christmas in like these old kind of gross, smoky looking Christmas uh, decorations in his cab. Yeah. But yeah, he takes he gets he gets a uh, Frank Cross in there, and he's like he knows everything of like about Frank all of a sudden, and Frank all of a sudden gets suspicious, looks at the ID of the cab driver, and says Ghost of Christmas Past on yep. it, and and he like right away just takes him back in time to yep you know his old neighborhood back in the fifties, which is is pretty funny. I like this scene. Because he's like, oh, he's like, what am I supposed to do here? I'm not just going to cry when I see my mom. And, you know, the ghost the ghost just kind of makes fun of him and says, okay, yeah, you wait and see, buddy. Right. And then we what do you know, to- like, as he's a little kid and he's, he's we're living, like, basically, like, he grew up kind of sad. Like, his dad didn't really seem to give a shit, like, about, you know, making Christmas too special. But you, you get the sense that his dad was doing the best he could and... You know, uh, that his mom has probably gone for a long time. And sure shit, like, very typical Hallmark movie of the week. Like, (laughs) Bill Murray starts breaking down in tears. And I will say this. As far as... Like, the the big speech he gives at the end of the movie where he gets a little weepy-eyed, very convincing. This scene crying here about his dead mom, no. not convincing whatsoever. It's totally no. fucking unbelievable. No, yeah, this isn't, isn't good. Yeah, he's supposed to he's supposed to cry because he's, you know, he, he gets there to his house. He sees himself watching TV because apparently that's that, that what his life that's all was. He did, basically. Like, right. like he, he escaped his, his horrible childhood, yeah, into, into television, like you yep. said. And then his dad comes in, who's played by none other than his brother, you know, <laughs> Brian, Brian Doyle. Doyle Murray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
one one of many of his family members who are in this film. Um, yeah, two of the brothers are in this fucking movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but he like this is how fucked up his childhood is. Like his dad comes home and brings him like you know a pound of veal or something. Yeah, that's right, milk fed veal. Here, yeah, he's not giving him you know like the choo choo train that he wants. You know, no toys. Right. Nobody's like, here you go, kid. Here's here's meat for the whole family, basically. Yeah. you know, it, but this is for you. And technically, it's wrapped. It's a newspaper, but it's wrapped. I guess. <laughs> In butcher paper. In butcher paper, yeah. It's just, it's so messed up. And the guy just like lays down and goes to take a nap on Christmas Eve. Because even the ghost ghost of Christmas past makes a a fun of him. Because he's like, he's like, oh. Or no, I think Bill Murray's the one who makes fun of it. And he says, yeah, it looks like dad hasn't put up the Christmas lights. And he's like. Right. The ghost says, it's Christmas Eve for God's sakes. Right. (laughs) So then, yeah, we move forward in time to like the 60s when. We get to the the office where Frank is work at IBC, the, the the network where they're having a Christmas party, and you get to see you know a younger Lou Hayward there, and everybody's right. partying and drinking, and here's Frank Cross just still working while everybody else is having a good time, like he's still working. You know he's he's got that attitude. I think that I've got to work to get ahead. I think he gets that from his dad. Yeah, supposed to, supposed to kind of give that message to you that he's just such a hard worker and. Don't you don't you're not supposed to have fun. Christmas is not about fun. It's about reaping the rewards of, you know, success and, you know, self-determination. I don't know. Basically, yes, some bullshit like that. But even <laughs> even Lou Hayward, this is where we get to the point where Lou Hayward isn't even as big a dick as, as Frank Cross is, because he's like, Hey Frank, uh, did you notice there's a party going on here? Why are <laughs> right. you still working? Like, what are like, you doing here? Yeah, while well, he's like actively sexually harassing people around him. It's, oh, for sure. But but so. but then again, like there was a lady photocopying her ass and handing out copies yes. to everybody else. So it's the parties were wild in the eighties, is what I or in the, I'm sorry, yeah. in the sixties, from what I gather. Had, had a very madman feel too, didn't it? Yeah, didn't it? For sure, did. Yes. Even though, like, just, like the, the only way I did find the way they made Bill Murray look quote younger in this movie was just to give him like more hair, longer hair. Yes. yes. But not really fix the bald spot. No, all they did was spike it up on top. So he looked like a weird fucking kind of like half rooster. Like it was fucking awkward, man. Yes. And then, <laughs> so we, we get out of that. He he realized, okay, you didn't have any fun, you know, when you first started there. Now he gets to meet, uh, you know, his, his love of his life played Claire. by Karen Allen. Yeah. If you know her, you know, she, she was uh, played in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, yep. She, she had just come off of Starman, maybe two years earlier. Animal um, House. Yeah, animal. Yep. Yeah, so so she she's there's and she's kind of an odd choice for this film, I, I must say. But she does. She has such a likable character. Like I absolutely adore her in this film. She reminds me a lot of Margot Kidder. Very much so. Very much so. They're all the same ilk. They're yeah. not like these like uber. I mean, and I, I don't mean this to sound like horrible or anything, but they're not like these super attractive like Hollywood types. But they're they're more down to earth. Yeah, if, if that makes sense, you know, like they're, the they're, Marianne to, to the Hollywood ginger, basically, yes, right? That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, but we, you know what? You know, they wake up and you know, in quote unquote, their looks is their, you know, their acting ability, their chops right. they bring. You know, and I, I this is a little more aimed towards Karen Allen, not so much Margot Kidder because I don't think Margot Kidder is that great of an actress, but she's okay. Um, but Karen Allen, like in this role, she plays such a sweetheart in this film. Oh like, yeah, you, you just. Like, you just want to, like, go up to her because she's just wearing, like, these, you know, like, she's not wearing, she doesn't wear fancy clothes, nothing. Like, she just wears whatever she she has time to put on to go out there because she spends all her time 
volunteering, helping others. That's all she lives for. And so, and she's there to almost rescue Frank Cross. Like she's kind of the guardian angel of this film in a way. Like the one who teaches um, him how to, how to not be so, such a selfish dick, basically. Yeah. Yeah. She she is the yin to his yang, basically. Like they're a complete opposite. He's selfish, driven. Like I will I will run over anybody to get what I want. Where she's like, no, that's not what Christmas is about. Because that's every time we see her, it's around Christmas. Yep. You know, she's always trying to portray the message. Like we're doing this other stuff. We we have friends. We're gonna go spend it with them. It's not about work. You you have to let go. Right. And Frank just never gets that, as we'll see. Because the next scene goes to, uh, you know, him his his la- his big chance in in uh which in is, an, is an odd career move to me i never really understood this part is like he goes from being like seemingly like a like an intern of some sort like a, a mailroom yeah, clerk in the mailroom essentially yeah to to being like barney basically like he's yeah, the guy he, inside he, the yeah. barney suit for a kid's show Frisbee that is also dog. filming on christmas eve like what the fuck <laughs> which is yeah it's kind of strange too yeah there's like a studio audience <laughs> yeah there's fucking people there like what is going on here like I would get it if there was like you know and maybe they did that in the seventies I don't know but right you know, it would make sense if like they they had like Santa Claus there for the kids or something but I yeah why that. frisbee the dog <laughs> but he but but the point the point here is that like so the the president comes and he says hey we're going to dinner and it, this is where you get to see the president is kind of a dick because he's like oh your wife's not here he's like well okay I guess you're coming he's right. talking to his hot assistant yeah and then he's like uh, and Frank bring your girl and. <laughs> right. Yeah, Frank is all like, okay, because. Uh, Why would he say uh, no? Claire. It's his boss. Yeah, yeah, and, and you you almost can feel for him on that one because you would be if the president of the network does tell you like, you know, hey, do you want to come to dinner? You have a hard time saying no, right? Yeah, that'd be tough. But 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 you know, yeah. it, it, but that even goes to to show like how just how you know like sweethearted uh you know karen allen's characters in this uh claire because as frank is like the parents of the network is invited like this would be a big deal and she's like no we have plans with our two friends like you know uh like you can do your boss next week and she's like it's christmas eve like you know they're our oldest friends kind of thing like you know that's yeah. that's her understanding is like it's christmas you should be the with the ones you love and he's like this is a great business opportunity for me he's like you know let's not be so selfish basically is, is this what he fucking this. says to her yeah, he he essentially before the the term really became popular, he's really gaslighting her here. He's just like he's like, no, the problem's not with me; it's with you. Right? It's like you're you're not supporting me. Yep. You know, he's just he's such a dick to her, mm-hmm. and she has been nothing. All we've seen so far of her is she's just giving to him. Like yeah. he gives her a pair of steak knives for dinner. She gives him the Kama Sutra. <laughs> the their very you know? first Christmas. Yeah, he gives yeah. her fucking <laughs> steak knives. Like, what is this? Like, is this supposed to be a it's tender just, gift? I don't fucking get that part. Well, yeah, because it, it goes back to the whole like I get the meat thing. I, yeah, the meat thing. Yeah, it's it's like <laughs> I'm giving you just a, a piece of utility where or she's like giving him a you know a sex book. You know, it's basically saying, hey, this is how we're going to become right. closer as a couple. She's like, he's like, here's some steak knives for you. It's just you, it's you very see Tony Soprano. Remember when he would pass out whenever uh, he'd see raw meat for a while? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that weird connection to fucking Saturels. Something yes. going on. <laughs> Yeah. So this is, so we end up here as like the ghost is like, okay, we're done. You right. know, uh, you've seen the past and this is where we get to the next, next phase of the film where yep. we get to get introduced to the, gr- the ghost of Christmas present, which my is favorite probably my ghost favorite of the movie. Ghost. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Like played by the fantastic Carol Kane. Oh just, yeah. Tremendous. If you haven't seen her in anything she's done, she's just fantastic. The, probably the most famous film she's known as another horror film is, um, God, uh, oh, I can't remember. When a stranger calls. 
when a stranger calls, thank you. Yes. I was, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking the calls coming from inside the house. It's just, yeah. That movie, like, Watch it, 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 it was it. made for, it's a, like, early 80s, no, late, uh, late 70s. Uh, 79, yeah, uh, yeah, scary. Fucking scary shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's still a scary yeah. fucking movie. But, Jesus, she film. has been, she's been busy, steady, like, I mean, busy since fucking 1971. Like, so, I'm sure. Oh, she's you, a fantastic If you've ever actor. seen any movie, te- television, you've fucking seen her. Uh, probably, like, one Princess of my more Bride? favorite, uh, yeah, Princess Bride, for sure. And also, uh, an overlooked, quote, holiday movie, uh, Adam's Family Values. She played Grandma Ma in the sequel to that one. Because right. that one covers uh, Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas. So if you notice one thing about her is like she is definitely an actor who is not afraid to put on a bunch of makeup and play no, a role. She she's just she can fully disappear into a character. Like she's yep. at her height when she can just kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of let loose in a character like that. Yeah. That's what yeah. makes her so damn good. Is when yeah, she, for sure. When, when she can just cut through and you, she's like, nope. And she goes past her vanity and all that. So it's like, <laughs> I don't want you to be in there. I'm just going to go for the role. And she's so much fun. And, and like, this is probably one of my favorite roles that she does because – Man, she plays such she, the the shit she does to Frank Cross here is just fantastic. Like we're introduced to her, and she's like, there's music playing, like there's a a whole like like, like, a, like a fairy gumdrop princess kind of like harps and like angelic like music, and and you literally just see like the like a, a beautiful fairy just flying around. You think like, well, and she's she's dancing and stuff. Yeah. But did you did you like? I didn't notice this until I watched it this time. The sign that she's standing by that's naming like the the name of the music that's playing uh-huh. is called Ball Breaker Suite. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, I had Go no back idea. And watch it. Oh. I didn't catch it, and the many times I've watched this until this. time time it's hilarious and it's oh like, that's oh, fantastic oh because the first thing she does is kick frank cross <laughs> in the balls yes it's she so does. hilarious yeah the ghost is pris- pris- present she uh like she tells him basically like the the truth hurts so every lesson she teaches him she kicks the absolute shit out of him in any way she can so you, you remember how you were saying like he fell he fell and hurt himself yeah uh, with that slip yeah on this scene here where she grabs his lip Oh like yeah, she actually she, like, tore she a part it? of his lip. <gasps> no way. Yes, when she grabbed it, they they were they had to shut down for like a week or so just to <gasps> let that heal up. Whoa. Like, yeah, because I don't know if you've ever tried that and pulled your lower lip. It, it kind of hurts. <laughs> yeah, you know? like she grabs the shit out of it. Like she yeah. really gave him a tug. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> like yeah, maybe maybe that's why why he doesn't like Richard Donner because he just that's, he's yeah. letting her do some sort of like that. But but it's just so great. Yeah, she's just like kicking him and saying, "Hey, yeah, sometimes the truth hurts." So yeah, you know, actually, uh, I I just saw that for that scene, uh, they were gonna have a body double do the ballet scenes, but then a set designer saw Carol Kane rehearsing the steps on her own and told Richard Donner it had to be done with Carol Kane. And I'm sure she was probably like, "Yeah, I'll do it." Yeah. Oh, geez, that's great. Yeah, it's fucking terrific. Yeah, she's great. And, like, she's so funny. Like, you know, she's, uh, you know, while she's beating the shit out of him, like, you could tell, like, she really, there's a, there's a kindness to it. Like, you know, is that weird to say? Like, you know what I mean? It's her voice. It's her voice. Like, she has that high pitched, like, really pleasant voice. Yeah. But she also, like, you know, she'll give, like, his cheek a stroke or something before she gives him a smack. Like, or something. Like, you know, there's, there's, like, there's, like, something maternal about it almost to where she's There's maternal, but it's sadistic. Yeah, there you go. It's, it's a level of, like, sadomasochistic kind of thing. It's like, you know, I, I'm not going to let you get too comfortable. I'm going to remind you that you're the dickhead. I'm (laughs) not the bad one. I'm treating you the way you treat other people. Yep. Kind of. Yes. Uh She, cause the first place she takes him is to, um, 
his assistant's uh, Grace. home residence where, yeah, we get to learn where Grace lives. And like like from Christmas Carol, we learn that, you know, all She's the Bob Cratchit. are very poor. Yes. Yeah. They're very poor. The family doesn't have anything, but they are so happy. They're, they're a great family unit. Um, but her youngest son... He doesn't speak anymore because he, he witnessed his father getting killed. Yes. Yep. And so <laughs> and this is a, this is a line that, that like there's a little exchange between Carol Kane and Bill Murray like during this part that's so telling of just what a dickhead Frank is is that uh, after Carol Kane's ghost breaks it to Frank you know that uh, that Grace's husband died he's like yeah, well I had I no idea her husband died she's like don't you remember that period <laughs> where she wore black for a year <laughs> that whole year and he's like that's... I remember her wearing black but I thought it was a fashion thing like he's just that <laughs> yes. much of a fucking self-immersed just, dickhead yeah so oh my oblivious. god Jesus yeah <laughs> Fuck. But it's it's almost like a tiny little throwaway thing because there's no focus on it. Like they're almost whispering about it as they're watching Calvin, you know, and they figure out that Calvin, even though he can't speak, super bright little kid. Like he's solving puzzles. He's none, so none, cute none of his too, older kid. Yeah, he's Man. adorable. Like, you know, and so you really feel like, Jesus, Frank, just pay some attention. You could probably do some do some good to help, but man, he's just such a dick. Yeah, he just wrapped up in his whole world that he yeah. doesn't, you know. No he's idea. Like, like we get to see, it, we get to see it. Like, hey, did you get your bonus? Yeah, I'm grinding my hair with it. Like, yeah, it just it reinforces how badly you feel for this lady, right? Because uh, she's taking care of like you know a house full of kids, like you know seemingly her mother and her as mother. Well. Yeah, and yes. you know they're doing the best they can, and even though she should be making a lot of fucking money working for a guy like Frank, she clearly is not. Yeah, yeah, it's sad. So yeah, yeah. And then we get moved on. We get sent over to. His brother's house, um, where, and we we kind of we kind of glossed over this because this is once again played by another brother of Bill Murray's here, um, and his other brother's actually in the scene too, and and, and playing there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he gets a speaking role or not, but uh, he does. Yeah, he's definitely uh, he, there. yeah, he he has a line about uh, a throwaway line about one of the uh, one of the Trevor Pursuit cards they're talking about. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah, this I like this scene here because yeah, he shows up there and. As, as I was saying, like, we didn't really talk about it, but, you know, his brother shows up at his work and then they're walking through the city and he's like, hey, do you want to come to Christmas dinner again yep. this year? Like he invites him every year yep. and every year Frank's like, nope, I'm too busy. You know, it's just, it's no fun. I don't, I don't know why you do it, you know, in your little, little apartment with all your weird friends. You know, <laughs> it's a kinda, crack of shit kind of thing yeah, is what he says. He makes yeah. him feel really shitty for asking him, but, and like... You know, Frank's brother is like asked by his wife and says like every time, like every year you ask him and like every year he's too busy. He's like, when are you going to learn? He doesn't care. And he's like, never. Like, he's like, he's my brother. <laughs> it's like, right. I, you know, I'm, I'm never going to give up on him. And, you know, and that's, you, that's you, something that Frank sees, you know, and, and you kind of start to see that maybe, you know, I think Frank's big problem is that he doesn't really see value in himself kind of thing. So, yeah. like, maybe, he like, he's starting to yeah, maybe understand that his, his brother genuinely wants to spend time with him, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, not everything is about, it, not not everything's superficial, right? It's, right. Because you, you do get the fact also, to, or the sense that Frank surrounds himself by a bunch of, you know, un, un what's what's the word I'm looking for? Un, not sympathetic, but uh, unsincere, insincere people that they're just yep. there. Because he just can provide them sycophantic kind of yes man. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, his life is empty. You know, so by extension, everybody else is, but he's, he realizes like, oh, they're having fun just playing games and, you know, and we get to by learn the fire. Christmas like there's no TV on or anything. They're all just, yeah, they're, they're playing literally Pursuit. like, Pursuit. And, you know, grown adults. And, and, you, and I, and I just kind of just thinking about this and really not putting this together until now, since we're discussing it is like, I get the sense that Bill Murray, like at that moment, he he's having fun at that party. Like he, yeah, he, he wishes is. at that moment he wants to be there because he, he's answering all the questions. Like he's yep. the one who knows this stuff because he watched TV all this time. 
you know, and he's like regretting now in a sense of like not like blowing off him all these years. Yeah. Because even when the lady's telling him, she's like, oh, it's time to go. And he's like, no, no, I want to stay here. Right, like, leave me alone. I, I know this one. one. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, she whacks him in the face with a toaster and we get to the next scene. Um, I guess we, we, we did. We need Which to is a sad turn. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Circle, circle back, back to uh, where we first meet Claire. Introduced. Yeah. So as we said, the, the ghost, uh, Lou Hayward's ghost calls up Claire Um Claire ends up meeting him at work one day and says, Hey, if you ever need me, I know you're busy, but if you need me come down to this, uh, homeless shelter where I'm working at, I volunteer yep. there, just come see me. So he goes there, he ends up showing up there. Um, and we, this is where we get to meet some other, uh, interesting character actors that are in this film. Um, terrific, terrific group of character actors here. Um, and do you have the names up? Dang it. I'm, I'm, I'm spacing. Was that Wendy? Right uh, oh, uh, oh my God. What is that? Uh, she played mom for telly. Mom Fratelli. That's that's what I know her God as. God damn like, it! Like, what was her? What was this lady's name? I can't recall off the top of my head. Ah, oh, dang it! I. I well, uh, my, uh, Michael J. Pollard was one of them. Uh, Michael her J. Name Pollard. Was, which, her name was it? Carol something? Is that her name? I, I'll find it. Go ahead and, and discuss. Yes, but I mean, anyway, so we get these actors in there. They're introduced. So they're just in some homeless groups, but they're really Irene Ryan. Re- yes, thank you. Yeah, man, and, she's and, a mean-looking uh, and, lady, and her, man. Yeah, and her real-life husband is the guy who played her husband uh, in this scene. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yep, that's Straight fascinating. Up. Okay, yeah, fascinating. It's a pretty yeah. cool little I thing. She right? was in. She was also in uh, Throw Mama from the Train. If you haven't yes, seen that, she was. With Danny DeVito and that movie, Billy Crystal. So it, I, I still find that like I, I haven't seen it probably in a few years, but I, I I have a very clear memory of that movie being fucking hysterical. It's, it's, it does. It's hell. Like the last time I saw it now, it's been years like myself too. Yeah. I remember it holding up. It's, it's kind of funny just cause the actors. Yeah. Logan Ramsey is her husband. He played her husband during this scene as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, we've, we've definitely talked though about Michael Pollard. Like we, we did review uh, Tango and Cash. <laughs> Tango and Cash. He played Owen in that. Yes, he uh, did. He was in the movie Roxanne with, with uh, Steve uh, Martin. Steve Darryl Martin, Hannah. if you haven't seen that. So you know what I'm talking about. He's played such a, a, a nice little small Dare I say, kind of cutish, you know, character actor. He's just a real small guy who's got that like silly elfish face. He's just he he's, he's a really good actor. Um, the uh, we, we learn I think one of my favorite movies I've seen him in is one. I don't know if you've seen because of how bad it is, but maybe you have. Uh, it stars Rutger Hauer. Uh, it's a movie from the early '90s uh, called Split Second. It, it takes place in a post-apocalyptic. Uh, apocalyptic like uk where there's like a, a xenomorph serial killer kind of thing it's it's record Howard and kim cattrall i haven't seen this but oh, this, this sounds like a canon film dude oh <laughs> yeah it's uh <laughs> yeah we'll talk about this a little later i i can't even get into how terrible it is um but just <laughs> for a little uh record Howard's, Howard's character's name and that is harley stone and he's a cop who doesn't play by the rules so if that's any indication of the kind of movie you're in for wow. there you go but yeah this i fucking adore this movie it's ridiculously bad we'll have to do a review of that oh, one, man. That sounds like i don't know if you're ready for enough. it dude it's fucking off the this off the wall bad dude it's so bad it, it it sounds very much like a free jack but i <laughs> you know what free jack is fucking like you know the iliad compared to this dude you know what oh I mean? that's a, that is a tale <laughs> yeah, but, i mean it's got kim cattrall i know <laughs> Oh. There's, there's, I'm just looking at the list. There's some names in there. So, but there yeah, are, anyway, there I are a few. I, yeah. I don't want anyway, to get off track. Yeah, yeah, so, anyway, we're going to do some Michael Pollard. And uh, 
like when uh, he's uh, one of the one of the people living in Claire's shelter, uh, and he automatically is kind of drawn to Frank. Like they're they're all very accepting him. They're very friendly. They're mistaking him for the actor Richard Burton. Richard Burton, yeah, yes. and <laughs> who looks nothing like Bill Murray, which is even no. fucking funnier. But uh, Bill Murray, like you kind of get this, you get the sense where like Frank isn't really like a complete dick because instead of him just flying off the handle of these people, like he's allowing them to to be, he's accepting their kindness. Basically, is a better way to put it. Is in that a uh, in a way like he's he's kind of a they're. He's trying to ingratiate he, themselves to him. He's still just so. doing whatever he can to get them away from right. him. But then, like, like he asks like, them to quote it like a Richard Burton movie. So he he actually throws out like a Richard Burton quote, and he's you know kind of yeah, being nice to him a little bit. Yeah, but then he yells at him and threatens to kick their ass. So it's like ah, Frank, you almost had it for a second. But you know, you get the sense that you know th- this guy uh, Herman, you know, he's he, he kind of he loves everybody, even though his situation is completely dire. Yeah, like, I mean, this is the, the happy-go-lucky type of person that's, uh, yeah, even though my life is shit, I'm still, you know, I can still get along. I got some right. booze, yep. you know, I've got a place to stay, and it's warm, so I'm, I'm good. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, going back to Frank, though, you said, like, yeah, he's almost got it because there's another situation right here, too, that, that will set up a, a scene later on. Yeah, is, you know, he could have shown he some kindness Claire, to him. Yeah, Claire is like, she sees some, uh, that spark, right? So she's come up and she's like... This is so great to see you. Yeah, I'm, you know, he's like, it happened again. And I need, to, I just need to see you, and I want to take you away and go away. And she's like, yeah, let's do that. And then all of a sudden, you know, the volunteers they got some issues at the at the, the center. So she's like, she's like, yeah, well, let me handle this first. And then Frank just automatically, like, he see any sense of rejection in his life, like he goes back to the old Frank Cross, and he's just like, he's like. No, these people can handle it. If they can't, they're worthless. You should fire them. And she's like, you know, they're volunteers. I can't fire them. And he's like, and then he, and then he just says this one line that is just so horrible. I mean, you can't imagine somebody actually saying this in an actual homeless set, homeless shelter, but, but he's like, his, the line goes, he's like, here, you want some advice? You know, you want to save somebody, save yourself, you know, scrape them off. Scrape them off. It's just, Jesus. It's just like, it's so ruthless. Yes, it's and, it's, and it's cold, dude. It's so cold. Oh my god! Because he, he was just there to pick her up and like say, "I I want you back. I want you in my life. You're you're the change I need." Right. And then yeah, but he can't handle it if it's if it's not him as the center. Yeah, he just reverts back to that horrible character, and then he walks out, sees Herman outside, and he's like, "Hey, can you loan me a couple of bucks so I can heat my apartment?" Mm-hmm. And Frank, like like the the miser he is, is like, "Nope, ain't got no money on me." You know, and he just leaves. He says, Liz got it all in the divorce because Richard Burton was married to Elizabeth Taylor. Yes, there you yeah. go. Yeah. And he's just, but he's such a dick about that. And then as we, we flash back now back to the ghost of Christmas present, she, from his brother's house, he's sent to uh, a room that's underneath the streets. Yep. And he sees Herman sitting across the room. Once he gets closer to Herman, though, he kind of sees that the guy's dead. Frozen yeah, to death. Completely frozen over. And again, like a pretty good makeup effect too. Like it's, you know, yes. it, it, it was cartoony without being too cartoony, but it still had an element yeah. of horror to it because, you know, it was pretty fucking scary to see like just someone frozen solid like that. And you felt so bad for him because he's sitting there with him like an electric blanket and that's not enough yeah. to like to get him warm. He's actually frozen dying. with a smile on his face because he's still yeah. happy because it's Christmas time and he's, you know, sitting there with his, with his little pocket watch and, you know, yeah, yeah. Jesus. You so just, fucking you, you sad. Feel horrible, and you yeah, know, and and once again, you, you get that. Uh, this is one of the scenes I, I think that Bill Murray does really well in this thing. It's like yeah, you, see, you start seeing like he's a dick to him. He's kind of just playing with him, and then he's like, oh my god, you know, this guy's might be really dead, and he, he gets pissed about it. You know, he's like, yeah, he's like, what the hell, man? Like he doesn't. 
he doesn't turn that in on himself yet, but he's like, he's like, why were you so stupid? You know, why didn't you stay with Claire? You know, stay warm there, you know? She'd have taken you know? care of you. Yeah. Why didn't yeah, you stay he, with her? He's cracking jokes, but he, but he, for the, you know, for as, as it's going on, he's starting to feel the guilt and starting to see is like, what the hell am I doing with my life? You know, and, and what I am doing with my life, there are real world consequences yep. to that. And yeah, so he gets out of it, ends back, shows up back at the studio again, where everybody's trying to prepare for the show. Literally hours before they're getting ready to roll cameras. And it's clear at this point, uh, uh, John Glover's character is fully taken over. Bryce, he's totally, fully taken over production. Like Frank is an afterthought at this point. Like he's the one calling, you know, uh, the carpenters in, telling, giving the actors breaks and all that. And you know, he basically tells Grace, like, get Frank up to his office. You know, he needs to go rest for a bit. And everybody clap for Frank, kind of thing. And uh, so she yeah, is just patronizing just him, so super patronizing. Yes. And Grace, you know, she she does it. Uh, it's here where they run into uh, you know the the. the the archetype, the classic fucking uh, ghost of Christmas future, where it's just a giant grim reaper. Oh, wait, wait, we we get to meet a very drunk Bobcat Goldwing as he makes his return first. Oh no, no, no! no I'm talking about the the, the fake uh, the fake grim reaper oh, we meet oh, first. Oh yes, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, took us yeah. out there. So okay. like, yeah, so he, he, like Frank screams like he thinks it's an actual ghost, but it turns out just to be a set from the like some, like an extra or not an extra, but like the person playing he, the ghost. Yeah from the fucking TV show. So, uh, you know, it, and it happens right in front of John Glover and uh, Frank has this whole line where he's like, come and get me, you, you, you pussy kind of thing, talking to the ghost of Christmas, <laughs> Christmas future. And it's clear, like, to anyone from the outside, like, you know, Frank's kind of cracking a bit and John Glover's character kind of relishes that and he smiles. Oh, he's and loving it. Yeah. Loving it, yeah. So they get Frank upstairs. Because he wants his job. Like, that, that's the Dying for it, yeah. And, yeah. uh, it's when he gets upstairs to his office, like the they're literally getting ready to roll cameras, like you know, on this live Christmas right. special yes. right now. Uh, John Houseman, by the way, John Houseman is doing the fuck yeah, the, <laughs> like the voiceovers and all that. And there's a weird, there's a weird thing. Like I don't really know. I wasn't really okay. I was a child when this movie came out, so I don't recall how people drank alcohol <laughs> like at this time. But Frank's <laughs> drink of choice in this movie oh, strikes me as so gross. fucking weird. It's a uh, oh. it's Tab, which is a soda. I don't even think they make it anymore, mind you. No, like they it do was not. a it was a sugar free cola it for a while. Yeah, but well, yeah, they don't. It was yeah. a sugar free cola without being like you know sugar free Coke or Pepsi like they are today. It was just terrible. But he was drinking that and vodka. But basically, like the Tab was just coloring. And he's just drinking straight yes. vodka with oh, this it, it horrible so Coke. Like, like it had to be just the most horrible tasting drink ever. Like oh, he's man. actively punishing himself as he's trying to get drunk, basically. For real, man. Because like yeah, I, <laughs> I I will tell you straight out. Like I am not a vodka drinker. Right. I don't I don't get it. It yeah. just it doesn't taste good for me. Yeah. And like, yeah, I was just, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this just, oh, like, it just, like, he was leaving a bad taste in my mouth. Because like, when he's doing it, like, he's pouring a full glass of yep. Smirnoff. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he's just dabbing a, a splash bit of, tab of tab. Yeah. It. It's just horrible. Oh, like, oh, boy. But yeah, he he's drinking these things, like, throughout the entire, like, anytime, like, someone gets him a drink, it's all, it's tab and vodka, which, Christ, Ugh. how do you land on that? Like, no, yeah, shit. I mean, how is he? How is he walking after one of them? Yeah, Jesus. man, just like, the, the guy is just like he he's held together by nothing but rage and fucking alcohol. I think. <laughs> yes, we're supposed to understand. So uh, as he's up in his office, unwinding quote with a relaxing cocktail, it's then that, that we meet the actual kind of grim rapper, grim reaper like ghost who is. Uh, his face was it was it, his face is a TV screen, right? Am I remembering them? Well, when he meets him in the elevator, it is. But on on screen, he does have like that evil skeleton, like the classic face. skeleton kind of very, very grim reaper look. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it's giant too. This thing, like it's like eight feet tall, like the like the the Ghost of, uh, of Christmas. It's even Futures it's even bigger one. than that when it's on TV because like when he shows up on TV, his face gets really big, and then the hand that comes out to reach him, the bony a giant hand, like, hand, yeah, goes to grab yeah. Bill Murray, right? So yeah. if you've seen the previews for this film and you haven't seen this film, at least you know this scene where this giant like skeletal like, arm, skeletal hand just yeah. comes back right behind him, but it's interrupted. Now, now we're at the point where Bobcat shows oh, up. Oh, thank you. Yep. Drunk as drunk as as, as all get out. <laughs> Elliot Loudon is shot out for revenge, basically at this point on, on the this, guy who fired boy, him on Christmas Eve. Now, were you thinking when you watched this scene too how this doesn't exactly hold up as well as it did back in the eighties? Yeah. With like all the shootings that happened. Oh, nowadays? dude, yeah. It's watch it today. It's like, oh Christ, man. Like you, woof. <laughs> you yeah, could fucking like make it today, man. Oh boy, you just feel oh, a little damn. disturbed by it because you're like, oh god, now I. You feel bad because normally you'd be like laughing along like, oh, yeah, Frank's getting what he deserves here. Right. Now you're just like, God, I feel bad for Frank because like this is just, you know, this happens all the time. And- <laughs> or the part with the fucking uh, t- with the TV sensor where she's complaining. You can see the nipples of the solid gold dancer. And he's like, you could barely yeah. see him. It's Christmas. It's like, what the fuck? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. shit. And this guy's really looking. <laughs> yeah. These guys are really looking. It's like, Jesus, dude. That's you know that was funny too. That that line too was ad libbed as well. Was it really? Guys too. Yeah, it was just you can barely see the nipples. Oh, he just came up with that. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's, it's such a such a great line. So Bill was Bill Murray's response ad libbed too. Then I take it. Like almost everything in this film that he did was oh, ad libbed. Dude, that's yeah, they say like seventy eighty percent of the lines. Who the fuck wrote this script then? Like, what did they actually use from the script of, from the from the script of this movie? Well, I'm sure I'm sure every other actor like stuck to their lines. <laughs> oh right, yeah, just or at least not most fucking, of them. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like I said, Donner and, and Murray did not get along because when, when the director's sitting there and expecting you know a line to be played like this and yeah. he's saying this is how you should do that, and then he comes along and says, "I'm just gonna do it my way." Right? <laughs> yeah, it kind of creates some conflict. How about the guy? How about the guy playing the carpenter too? How about some fucking? How about some balls just piping up with that out of nowhere? It's like but Donner's <laughs> like, now the extras are doing it. I can't control anybody here. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's like, freaking yeah. the fuck out. <laughs> Probably yeah, you're just setting a bad example for everybody. <laughs> right? <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Yeah. It's like what it worked. It was funny. Yeah, yeah jokes on me. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh man. <laughs> so, so yeah. So yeah, we we get the the shotgun scene where he's he barely gets away from Bobcat Goldway. He falls into an elevator, and this is where he meets up with the real the proper ghost, ghost of Christmas future. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's still like eight feet tall inside that elevator. Yeah, and and know, we had a pretty love- cool scene here, like when Frank figures out it's the ghost ghost. Like he opens. Yeah. The ghost cloak, expecting to see a person there, and it's literally just a, a rib cage with like ethereal light shooting out, and then three goblin faces. I guess. Yeah, fucking, like, like I couldn't tell the if they're like if they're just like demons or something that are trapped in hell or something right. like that. They can't get out. Or were they miserly souls who didn't learn their lesson? Like I don't yeah, know. That, yeah, that that might be what it is. It might be something like that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's weird, but I, you get that. Yeah, it, it's clear that this is the ghost, like right away. And uh, <laughs> th- their method of transportation is to take like this creepy elevator. And here we get shots of a uh, of uh, uh, people whose lives have been affected by Frank. And uh, yeah. you know, it, this is where I guess more of the the dr- the drama in the movie kind of kind of picks up like a few, a few levels a bit because we check in with Claire. Uh, right, is she the first oh, wait, person no, we, first we see, we or is it Calvin? With, uh, Calvin. Calvin's Calvin the first person we see, yeah. And uh, and he's a teenager now, and he but he's been institutionalized and. You know, uh, Grace basically only visits, visits him on Christmas, and she leaves. And, and you notice she's wearing rags too, so she's not. She yeah. never got any more money. She's right. still dirt poor. Yep. Yeah, she can't help Calvin. Can't take him to the psychiatrist. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, can't get him in a you know a, a proper care, you know, facility, anything like that. So like they're 
you know, they're at, at their end basically, you know, because of Frank being such a, a miserly and fuck. And Frank, like, I, I like the way he plays this once again, Bill Murray. He, he's playing it off. You know, he's like, well, you know, I, I, I know the, the head of uh, psychology at NYU, like, we'll, we'll fix this. He's like, you know, he's on it. I'm on it. I'm going to fix this. He's like, he, right. he's feeling, he, he does see the consequences, but he's like, I'm still rich and powerful. I can fix this right. by throwing money at it. Not because, and, like, you know, it's the right thing to do or anything like that, but yeah. just because like, he just feels bad. Yeah, for a point of yeah, like he yeah. understands like there's there's bad things that are happening, but yeah, he, yeah like I said, it, I can throw money at it. it. I don't I don't have to change myself, but I can fix it. I have yep. I have the resources to do it. And then yeah, then we get to meet up with Claire, which is Jesus. This is bad. Claire, yeah, this is this is harsh to watch too because Claire apparently what we're supposed to infer is that Claire has she's left the volunteer work and she remarries. She she married she, into some money into from money. the looks of, yeah. yeah. And, and this is a money. scene here too, where I think like what you're getting at with Karen Allen, like in her performance where she fucking nails. Oh, what sells she's it supposed completely. to do in this scene. Cause uh, she's supposed to be like a really, like a, a high flute kind of lady who just, uh, who has even seemed to have gone beyond Frank's level of not caring anymore to yeah. where, uh, you know, she says, uh, an old friend of mine gave me the, the best advice ever kind of thing. Scrape him off, Claire. And she she quotes like the scrape him off thing. And uh, yeah, because there's some homeless kids like are asking for yeah, money. Outside, like, yeah, they're, like, they're, they're in the window they're and she they're, they're interrupting her lunch. So she literally has them thrown away. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and yeah. And even her friends are like, Claire, they're just children. And she's yeah. like, oh, please, oh, don't please, tell yeah. me. And, yeah. and, and it, like in this scene too, where she's so cold, like she, she references Frank and she says, you know, thanks a lot, Lumpy. And like a, a tear, like there are tears oh. literally in, in every part of, of yes. her, both of her eyes and just one streams down her face. And to me in that moment, like I didn't know if she was more mourning the loss of Frank or mourning the loss of who she was. No, it's, it's all about who she was. Right. She now feels like I'm this empty soul. Yeah. Like she, she does what, like I, stereotypically what most rich people would do. They try to fill those voids with buying stuff, buying people, right. buying whatever, you know, and she's realized like, I'm just this empty vessel now. I don't have any purpose now. I just have money and I'm not happy. And that's, that's what it's supposed to be. Cause I mean, we all kind of look at that scene and say, yeah, how much fun is that to be like sitting there with snobby friends who right. are just, you know, talking about the same bullshit that, that you don't really care about instead of like getting that feeling you get when you actually help somebody make the world a better place. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. And that's such yeah, a good scene. Crying it, for herself. Yeah. And it's in that moment, too, where Frank really like he has nothing smart ass to say. Like there's no, re no there's nobody retort whatsoever. Like this one like fucking broke him. Yeah, right in the heart. Like he's, yeah. he's like he he. Well, the only thing he does say is like I'm sorry. Yeah, like he, he actually apologizes he, and he seems yeah. to mean it. <laughs> and he's like welling up a little bit in it too. Yeah, like, mm -hmm. he's like he's really both of them, both of them just really sell this scene. I, I think it's great, it's terrific. Yeah. And then we get to the final scene where we're the final floor, we should say. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's like a, a parable to like, yeah, the seven levels of hell or something like this. Yeah, I think you're right. Going yeah. through. Maybe they had some more scenes they couldn't fit in. But but yeah, they get there and we see it. They're at a uh, a mortuary or, or a, I guess that's what they call it, right? Yeah. Uh, where, where they would burn bodies and they're at a, it's basically a funeral for somebody. And from a distance, Frank sees Wendy, his brother's wife, uh, there. And he's like, oh, my God, my brother's dead. And, like, he plays it kind of cavalier in a way. He's like, oh, God. He's like, oh. He's like, I guess the message is I'm supposed to, like, pay attention to my brother and stuff, right? Because he's not going to be here forever. Yeah. But it's not until he gets up close and sees his brother standing there, too, that he's like, 
like, oh my God, who who is in there? And, you know, he realizes it's it's his funeral. Right. And <laughs> now, how did you feel about Bill Murray's performance in this scene? He doesn't really sell it to me in this one. <laughs> right. Like coming off that previous scene. Yeah. I get it. Like this one, it's not. He. Yeah, because I, I I don't get his mood in this. He's like, oh, my God, my brother, James, he's dead. It's like, well, are you fucking sad or not? Like after what he just saw, he just doesn't care. And even when he realizes it's him, he's like, oh, wait, who's in the box? Like there's no like I feel like a better actor could have fucking sold that shit with yes. a lot of emotion. <laughs> like, you know yeah, what I mean? He really have... felt the weight of it. Like, I, I, I'll give him credit for the when he first walks into that room and he sees, okay, oh, my God, it's my brother. Because he is playing it off cavalier in that way. He's like, he's like oh, I just, I feel, like, he doesn't fully get it that, yeah, my brother's dead, but he, it doesn't sunk in for him on that. So I get that. Right. But, yeah, once he realizes it's himself, he doesn't sell me on the fact, the, the real fear that he is dead or the reason why he should be f- fear, like, scared and sad is because that nobody's the there to mourn him, basically. Is nobody's yeah. there. Right. Nobody cares that he's dead except his brother and his wife and his, uh, you know, sister-in-law. Yep. You know, and that's that's supposed to be that that heart-wrenching part that's not only that, yeah, your life is going to – you're going to end early, but nobody cares. You're just nobody forgot. Gave a shit. Like yep. everything you built, everything you tried to work with, this empire that he built for – is nothing. It doesn't mean anything because nobody gives a shit about him because he was so terrible to everybody else. Yep. You know, and that's, and he doesn't, you're right. He doesn't sell that. Um, like all I get is there is like, he's, he's more like, maybe he just, maybe it's on Donner. He didn't communicate or maybe it was like, you know, him just <laughs> ad living, trying to see what he's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, you know, he wasn't told that he's just told like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm scared because I'm dead and I can't do anything when I'm dead. Right. Well, we get that at the end of it, you know, he realizes he's dead, but then boom, once, once he, his coffin is put in the fire, he pops out of the elevator, he's alive. And this is where I, I don't think Bill Murray ever for the rest of the film goes on script at all for this thing. No, and <laughs> so. arguably too, like it, it's some of like the strongest work, like his strongest work oh, in the absolutely. whole movie is him yeah, just it, kind of like being let loose just to, you know, <laughs> do what he does in the moment, I guess. Yeah, part of me wonders, like, I, I'm sure it probably didn't happen this way because some other actors, they'd be like, okay, the director would say, shoot it my way, and then we'll I'll let you have a take your way, and we'll see which one works. Right. You know, I, I'm pretty sure this one didn't work that way. It was probably just like uh, Richard Donner just probably by this point, how whatever order they shot this in, you know, was like, you know what? Fuck it. Just go. Right. Yeah, basically. <laughs> we'll just get it in post, I guess. But yeah, now, I wonder how many cameras they just, had just set up, just pointing in random directions, ready for him to move. Oh anywhere my god! In that and had to scene, follow right? him around. There's yeah. handhelds going around with him. Yeah. Or, or dolly shots, or or you know, the, you know, track on tracks and stuff that are having to follow. Yeah, it's just the the setup because it also feel like you know, with a guy who who acts like that, you you really don't know what he's gonna do. So you have to be on your toes, right? You know, as a cinematographer to catch what he's doing. Yeah. But it's great because, yeah, so he, he goes up and he sees Elliot Latimer again, uh, Bobcat yeah, Goldwyn. After he breaks out of the uh, – after the after he breaks out of the fiery cough and he realizes I'm alive, like he comes out of the elevator. Bobcat's still standing there, shotgun in hand, <laughs> fucking looking for redemption. Yeah, so. ready to blow his head off yeah. right there. Uh-huh. And somehow like he just – he charms his way, right? You know, because 
Elliot Loudermake is at his heart like a decent, you know, man, I guess, quote, even though he brought a gun to work. Uh, yes. You know, like, yeah, it, all it took is like getting his job back and a raise and a, a better job. And, you know, he's going like, to go help Frank twice, do some good. His, double his uh, salary. So, yeah, that's yeah, quite a quite a good uh, rehiring. There. He offered him his office and all that. And Bobcat's like, I wouldn't like your office. And Bill Murray finds that funny because it was kind of insulting. And but it wasn't. So they're going to go said, down. But he, yeah, but it's but he says like he, he just says it jokingly. He says, that's so you. Yeah, because it's if there's a joke about it. But the reality is, yes, it is. You're the one who's not afraid to tell me what you like and don't like. Right. You know, and you don't have to like what I like. So, yeah, yep. it just works both ways. Yeah. <laughs> so then they go down and they literally hijack a live television show. And then yeah, uh, and this, yeah, this, this is, is where we get into Bill Murray's final uh, final you know monologue where he, he, you know, we learn everything that Frank has learned. And Frank has this whole entire uh, realization of what the holidays are all about. Not even just the holidays, like it extends past the holidays. Like it should be, you know, all the time where, you know, it's all about giving and just caring and, you know, putting other people above yourself and your own needs. And and it's this whole speech where Bill Murray just, he's literally just wandering through this television studio where this live, you know, production was, it was set up and there's people dressed as old timey Santa people from like, you know, uh, the Dickens era and there's modern crew and all that. And he's literally just saying whatever comes to mind. And it's a this whole emotional, uh, not breakdown, but just, uh, it's almost release. Yeah. I mean, basically. Like, right. It's, yeah. It's this like, for lack of, of a better like, word, it's almost like a, a religious moment for him where he sees, yes. literally sees the light, you know? And, and I, I, I think that's very apt what you just said there. I, I think it is. It, you could interpret that as, you know, whether you want to make it a Christian parable or whatever, it's, it, it's somebody who's come to Jesus and, and realized yeah. like, there's more to life than what I'm doing. Right. And I need to live for something bigger than, than me. Yep. And that's the message that he conveys to everybody around him. He's like, yeah, what kind of dickhead would have all his people working here? <laughs> that you know, someone on says, Eve. only yeah, you, Frank. Guy, only you, Frank. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, you know, an hour ago, I would have fired your ass right out the window. Right. You're so right. Right. Like, he's just, he's so classic. And and then he's like, you know, he's talking to Claire through the camera. He He's, he's like... You know, saying like I, you know, I want. I don't remember what exactly he says, but he's like, you know, basically, I, I want I you fucked back. up, like, basically, yeah. You're the one person that that's only thing that's been good in my life, and I, I just want you. And he's like, if I had you here tonight, you know, you know, things would be great, whatever. And you know, Claire's like, she's got to get there, and I just love this extra little portion here where she hails a cab, and the cab just happens to be the Ghost of Christmas Past because he's like, she's like, can you get me to the IBC building in three minutes? He's like, which floor? Yeah, it's like, oh shit, <laughs> she's going on a ride. <laughs> Yeah, so he's gonna like zap her right there. Yeah, it's great. So she and she shows makes up it all the way from across town on Christmas <laughs> yeah. to fucking the studio <laughs> in a split Eve. second. Yeah, in a winter winter storm too. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Some definite just, magic. It's there. fantastic. I yeah. love the callback to the to the ghost and everything to making it happen for him. Yeah, it's it's so much fun and. Yeah, he's like, you know, Bill Murray is just is being Bill Murray in this scene. Like, you yeah. know, he's just, you know, he's riffing and, you know, like, I'm so, I'm just doing the motion he does, you know, that shake movie does. Like, yeah, the little Hardy, dance movie and all that, yeah. yeah. And that's like, also he, here, he's like, just, uh, like, we get more of an insight to him, like, where he, you know, you really get the feeling that he's going to kind of do good by everyone, where he has a moment where he talks to his brother through the camera and he admits that the VCR was sent by Grace and, you know, he yeah, sent him a towel. He doesn't lie. And, yeah, yeah, like, he's, he's he, being honest. he goes through the whole game. I got to say, like, even to this day like this whole fucking like when he gets into the final part where he's like i get it now and and, and you know and he actually like kind of starts crying it still gets me like i still hit oh. like the, the fucking emotions still fucking well up to you like it still gets me it's such a, a beautiful it, fucking delivery it, of those words yeah oh it makes you want to be a better person like you, you're listening to it because 
that's the thing about Bill Murray here. When we say he's ad-libbing, it's like, like this is stuff that's coming from him, Jesus. from his heart. You know, wh- say whatever kind of character he is, you know, in real life, this is something that he truly, I, I feel like it's 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 from a, a, a real, uh, you know, honest place in his heart. At least it that, was that in the he, moment, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like he just was brave. Cause like he is, you can see he's welling up in this scene too. When he's yeah. saying that. like, he's like, you know, you'll, you'll want it. You know, it's a drug, you know, you, you'll become addicted to this, you know, and that the world will be a better place. And you know, it's just, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like I watch it too. And I'm just like, yeah, I can't help but get a little welled up, you know, <laughs> yep. feel like, feel like that. Yeah. I could use those lessons in my life and be a better person and, and be a little more giving, you know, you know, cause that's, that's the point, right? It's, it's a, it's a story about Christmas. The Dickens is a story about Christmas and that one time a year that you're supposed to do that. Right. And it's supposed to kind of kickstart that to you and you should be that way all year round. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get to that point with Frank Cross here. He's gone through this whole transformation of, you know, starting off. Well, remember, we started off in this film where he's like, I'm watching a promo for Scrooge where it's just people getting shot on a highway and a nuclear bomb to... I shouldn't be even showing oh, this on shit. Christmas Eve. We didn't even mention too that this ad actually killed a grandmother. <laughs> like, oh, that's right. And he's happy about it. Oh yeah, it. early in the movie he finds out that a grandma dies while watching it, so he then orders it to be played at the top of every hour with a disclaimer warning people with heart conditions to leave the room. Yeah, this like, is also shit. yeah. This is the one time where Marianne Marian Trainer actually gets a scene here because that's right. She's playing along with him, where she's kind of excited too. She's yeah. like, "Ooh, yes, this is great." Yeah, it's, it's oh, funny. <laughs> so funny. So then after and he then goes he, through all this, like, you know, uh, you know, he, he, he ends with the, with the classic line, you know, uh, like in a Merry Christmas, you know, to everyone. And then out of nowhere, yeah. Grace's son, Calvin walks up and he says, you know, God bless us, everyone. Like he breaks like his state of, uh, you know, uh, uh, of, not, of not speaking because of like, you know, Frank's kind of come to Jesus moment and, you know, the, the magic of it all and all yeah. that. Yeah, it's just, man, it, it's a lovely way to end the movie. And then, you know, as like it finally ends. Uh, Claire shows up, you know, and, and they're there reunited and everyone breaks into a, a live rendition to put a little love in your heart. And then we get like... a great song, by the way. I it, absolutely love yeah, that song. For, for this moment, the movie worked really well as an ending. Yes. Like it, it, it would have felt wrong to end it any other way, I guess. But like in one final callback to, I guess, like Frank's experience throughout the movie is like we get sort of a, of a forced ghost fucking <laughs> kind of look at all the ghosts. Oh, man. I love that. Yes. Yeah. It's a great so, so we see uh, we see Lou still all zombified. We, we get the three ghosts of you know past, present, and future. But also uh, we see now Herman uh, is yep. is kind of like a, a of a ghost himself. He's got fairy wings and he's holding hands with Carol Kane. And you know it's uh, I don't. Know, it was kind of like a of a fun little uh, <laughs> fun little goodbye from them. I think. Yeah, I think I think it worked, and yeah. you know they're all they're all kind of looking down on him and smiling at him now. Yeah, because he's finally yeah. learned, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and they're seeing like, yeah, the message got through, and he's living it now. That's yeah. what we wanted from you, and yeah, it's just it's a feel good moment. Like this is this movie as as silly and and ridiculous. You know, Roger Ebert said that this movie was probably one of the worst retellings of a Christmas Carol. Oh no, like, shit! As, as, yeah, as, as ridiculous as it is, though, this movie has those moments, those those gotcha moments that you're just like you feel good when you watch it because you're like, this is you you don't see a lot of movies anymore that actually put a happy ending on a lot of stuff. A, yeah, a bookend closure to the movie where it's also the happy ending where. Right. You go back to classic Hollywood all the way up probably to about the 60s. Maybe so. I mean, granted, there's the exceptions. But a lot of movies used to do that. They would, they would just be a bookend happy ending, you know, 
we lived happily ever after kind of thing. It's a feel good. It's yeah. a, it's look at the longest yard. They're, yeah, they're <laughs> that's one I haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Wow. So I, was, I can't get Burt Reynolds out of my head now. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Fucking Jeez. Gator McCluskey's just taking up shop. Yeah, he's <laughs> camped out now. You're screwed. I know. God, did he ever do a Christmas movie, Burt Reynolds? We have to look into that uh, shit. Yeah, we'll have to see one. I'm sure he has. He does have an Uber. Oh, yeah. But, oh, man, yeah, so top to bottom, I think as far as screws goes, it's uh, – I definitely watch it every Christmas time. Like, it's, it's just one that ends up in the rotation, like, pretty solid. Yeah, I'm – so yeah, as I, as I started off this this podcast, I told you that when I first saw this movie, I didn't like it. Yeah, I was bored by the film. I just thought it was dumb. It just didn't work for me. Right. I can say the number of times now that I've watched this and gone back to it, I have more appreciation for it every time I see it. Yeah. Um, I see the thirty million dollar price tag, and I wonder where all that money went because the movie looks like it's been shot on the soundstage. Like it's just, oh, the whole looks, thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't look like it's high budget, but it, everything works. That's, that's not a criticism. Everything really looks great for it. And just, yeah, the, the schlocky message that it sends out that, yeah, this is the Christmas tale. And you know, it's, it's that old Dickens tale that, that makes you want to be a better person. I like this movie. I I'm like you, I watch it every Christmas time. You know, it's one of the it's one of the movies with Die Hard now. And, you know, I'll watch I'll, you know, probably pair this up with It's a Wonderful Life. If you like, you know, classic dribble, you know, that's yeah. the kind of films that I, I do enjoy going back and watch no matter what people's criticisms are of this thing. I know there are people out there who probably don't think this is a great film. I everybody has their opinion. I, I think this is a very, very good film. It's it's one of Bill Murray's film like of, of this list of films that he's done that I like it's one it's one up there that I really do like yeah um, because it's so much a Bill Murray film um, is this your un- favorite un- interpretation of the Dickens tale I I wouldn't say that um, it, it's a take it's a comedy take on it um, do you I, have a favorite version I don't know if I have a favorite version I do like uh, I, I'm if you know he, um, I'm a I'm a classic movie uh, kind of fan, so I do like some of the black and white stuff, some of the classic stuff that they've yeah. done. Um, and I I did bring it up earlier too, the Disney version. I have a soft place in my heart for that. That uh, oh Mickey's of, Christmas of Carol, too. yeah, yes. for sure. It's just it's it's the one. It's probably the first version I ever saw. That's the first uh, time we're introduced this. to fucking the Uncle Scrooge character. I think isn't Correct. it? Correct. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I don't. I can't. I don't know that for sure, but I I, I believe that is a true statement. I want to say that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's I, I like those versions probably better because it's probably a little more uh, faithful to the Dickens uh, story itself. Right. But this one is a fantastic version of it. I you know say what you will about Roger Ebert. I mean he's smart. He was a smart guy, great film critic. But I disagree with him on that. I don't think this is such a terrible adaptation of it. It's fun. It it's entertaining. Maybe he maybe he saw it through the same eyes that I saw it back then too, and just like, eh, it's not that great. Right. <laughs> but this thing has certainly grown on me, and I would say anybody who hasn't seen it, you should watch it, especially during this time of year. It's a Christmas movie. Check it out. It's on Prime right now. Sure is. Free streaming. So yeah. so go check it out. I think uh, like I I really enjoy this movie, but I think for me, <laughs> my favorite version of the thickest tale is uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol. 
That's a good one. I, forget, but, I always forget but about that. I, I got to say, like, I, I need the one where, like, the full one where the, the when love is gone, like when that cut song is in the is on the full movie. You know, Michael Caine yes. and all that shit, dude. Oh, such a fucking amazing movie. I fucking really Ooh, love that I might one. Have to, man, I might have to move that up in my list then. I guess because I I forgot about that one. I think it's on Disney Plus, so you might be in luck. Oh, yeah. Okay. Extra Christmas bonus this I year. I know, right? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so speaking of, uh, do we want to go ahead and pick next movie, or do we want to leave that uh, hanging out for a surprise? Well, that's, like, I I think we could we could spoil the, the next film okay. on there. Uh, I, I'm actually pretty excited about this. Uh, it just came out last year in 2022, Violet Night, starring David Harbour. <laughs> John Leguizamo, uh, it, it kind of looks Leguizamo's like uh, he's the big bad in this movie. Yeah, so it, it's oh almost like uh, it, it, it's like a modern take on the night the reindeer died. Basically, I'd let us speak in a spirit. It's like it's it's Santa Claus basically doing Die Hard. So, all right, but Santa Claus is played by Jim Hopper, and I will say there is uh, an iconic. Uh, Christmas uh, movie star in this movie that I didn't even know they were in the movie until I saw her. It blew me away. Had no idea. So I'm, I was very Ooh, excited. Okay, I'll, be, to see I'll be looking out for her. Oh, you, as soon as you see her, you'll be like, oh my God. Like, yeah, it, it, it shocked me. I had no idea she was in the movie until she popped up. But it was okay. it was very pleasant to see. But yeah, Violet Night wow. uh, is what's up on our list. Uh, you know, uh, along with a lot of other TV shows, uh, we got the first four uh, episodes of Invincible to talk about, which is, man. Oh, there's so much to talk <laughs> about so there. So much going on there and everything. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we have got a ton of shit to watch. So we're getting out of here. We'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Can you dig it?